It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with General Manager Nick Casario. Nick, great to see you. Fellas, good to be here. Special Saturday edition. Special weekend edition of yes. Texans Radio. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on being able to move on after dealing with the Watson situation for over a year, finally being able to make this trade and get the Texans into 2022 and beyond? Yeah, really the big thing. It's about moving forward. and It's about clarity for everybody. I think everybody at least has an understanding of where we are. So it's an opportunity for the franchise, an opportunity really for everybody involved to just kind of move forward. So there's a lot of work ahead of us. So we're kind of in the midst of the team building process for the 22 season. So that's always an exciting part of what we're trying to do organizationally. So probably wrap up here at free agency, you know, over the next call it a week or so. And then once we kind of transition in April, then it'll be very draft focused and draft centric, which will be kind of the next step of the whole team building process. I'm so disappointed. My partner, Mark, he buried the lead. How's your bracket? We need to know how your bracket is. First of all, <laughs> honest, honestly, I have no idea who's even playing in the tournament. <laughs> we figured that was probably literally, I think, Other than, a, I think I St. That Louis beat Kentucky. That's about the extent that, of it. St. Peter's. Excuse St. Peter's. me. St. But Peter's. That's yeah. a good excuse thing. Me. You don't know, Nick. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's the perfect answer. If you would have been like, Oh, Oh my gosh, no St. Peter's blew my bracket. We would have been I very, do know very Coach K and Tom Izzo are uh, competing against each other yes. tomorrow yes. or the next day, so that'll be fun, I'm sure. It, in all, all seriousness, you have the trade going on. You have the start of the new league year. Did you have like three different phones that you were like, okay, this one's for the Watson trade. This one is for a new league year. How do you kind of juggle all those balls in the air at the same time, Nick? No, it's an interesting point. You, you really have to try to balance everything off and just allocate the appropriate time as needed. So there's going to be certain periods of time during the course of the day. You may have to allocate a little more to one versus the other. But once the new league year started and once free agency started, we're trying to add players to our team. And ultimately, that's my responsibility. So that communication, that dialogue with the agents, you know, in terms of negotiating the contracts, like that's ultimately going to fall on my shoulder. So there's a time sensitivity to, to some of those things that's involved. So try to balance everything off. Our pro staff did a great job of at least kind of providing the information. And, and there was a, a lot of dialogue back and forth with our coaching staff. And we had done some work prior to in terms of creating sort of maybe buckets or pockets of players. Okay, if we can't get this player, here's another option. What happens if this player becomes available? So you really have to treat it business as usual and just kind of go about your day and not get too bogged down with one particular thing. Understanding that, you know, there's certain uh, – relevance and importance to maybe the the nature of the transaction but kind of don't lose sight of sort of the day-to-day -day and just the work that needs to, to get done nick you were dealing with a situation that was unprecedented in the history of this league so being able to deal with the different teams involved with the trade that you ultimately made with the browns what can you tell us about what that was like having to filter all that through and ultimately make a deal yeah it's a lot to get organized mm -hmm. but ultimately you just you have to be very thoughtful. You want to stay patient. Can't get too high. Can't get too low. Can't set unreasonable expectations. You have to be realistic about what may or may not happen. And you really have to be prepared for just about every scenario because you're never sure how it's going to go until the end. So prepare, plan, and then be, re be ready to act at the appropriate time if there's an opportunity to do so. So, um, you know, I'd say that's probably been not to oversimplify it, but really the mindset and the overall philosophy that, that I've taken that we've kind of taken organizationally the whole way through. Nick, this might seem like an obvious question, but it was rumored that the big part was the three first rounders. Why? Why was that something that was that important? Like, got, that's got to be the baseline of where to start. Was that really what it was is like that's the baseline to just start the discussion to get it somewhere? Because 
I mean, was there any sort of precedent you sort of had to go on in a trade of this magnitude? Well, there's never a precedent. You try to establish what you think is appropriate value for whatever an asset may be. So it's subject to probably a lot of opinions. Everybody probably has a lot of different opinions and ideas on something like that. But you just try to take the information, try to look at what maybe has happened in the past previously and just try to set, set a, a baseline of, okay, if it's not at least at this level, it's probably going to be hard for us to entertain that type of discussion. So there's no hard and fast rule. So, but I would say that was certainly something that was, you know, important from, from the outset. You're a little over a month away from the draft and you have two picks in the top 13. What does that do for the Houston Texans right off the bat? It really gives us an opportunity to hopefully just add two good football players to our team. And I think that's really should be the realistic goal and expectation. I think sometimes there's an expectation, okay, this certain player at this certain pick, he has to be X. It doesn't always go that way, but just try to find the right players that we have a conviction for and affinity for that we think when they walk in our building, they're going to embody the things that we want a Houston Texan to embody. So the goal is to try to get good football players, good people, that are going to embrace what we're doing, that are going to embrace our work environment, that are going to embrace our coaching staff, that are going to embrace the city and be part of the fabric of what we're trying to do and establish. You have 10 picks going in right now. And we say for now because last year, I don't know what we went in with. You came out of there with five, moved around, did some different things. I think we had eight and we ended up with five. Yeah. Just kind of positioning. Mm -hmm. Is there a point now with 10? I mean, you also, now with first rounders, you can move down, you can add more picks. Is there a point where there's almost too many draft picks i mean not in our world we love it but is there a point where you make 12 to 15 draft selections you're like well maybe that's not where we want to be uh, really you have to look at it what does it do for your football team or what are the what's the alternative so look at your team make an assessment you only can only have 90 players right. on your roster at, at one time so the more players that you pick it's either a potentially could affect some players currently on the team or it could affect your ability after the draft to maybe bring in some players um, as undrafted free agents. So there's no hard and fast rule. A lot of it is supply and demand driven, and trades are really, I would say, when you get to the draft, are very player driven. They're very player specific. Said team sees a player that they really like. Okay, we want to move up for that player. Okay, in order to get to that point, here's what it would cost. Okay, said team, are you willing to do that or not? If not, if you're moving on from that player, if we move on 10 slots, okay, there's not prop a possibility you're going to lose 8 to 10 players that you maybe have a certain grade that you would want to have on your team. So there's a cost-benefit analysis that has to take place in real time. So you just want to make sure you make a, a, an astute assessment, the right assessment, so you can make a good decision. When do you start playing around with trade possibilities? Not that you would automatically, but I'm, I would imagine some scenarios are going to come up during the draft or maybe before it where you could make some moves when do you start playing around with that mentally on your board? Yeah, it's a good question. Probably, you know, a week or two before you want to be prepared because when you're in the top 10 of the draft, like the, the cost of that trade is pretty significant. So you just want to make sure if a team makes an offer, it's commensurate with what actually the trade should entail. So mm -hmm. you go through different scenarios. Okay, said team is picking here in order for them to move here. Here's what it would cost. So, and we have a... Um, a model or we have a, um, a tool in our database where you could sort of simulate or go through different scenarios. So you can look at them and say, okay, if this team is at 12, in order for them to get from 12 to three, here's what it would cost. Oh, you know what? They don't have enough. Okay. Let's don't even factor that in. So 
there's a little bit of that you can do ahead of time. Um, and you just want to be prepared that if a player, if a team does want to go from call it six to three, oh, what's that cost? Mm-hmm. And okay, do we want to make that trade? Does it make sense or does it not? So you'll play around with it eventually, Mark. Probably now is not the time, but eventually at some point you'll you'll go through a little bit of that exercise. Wait, should I throw out my Jimmy Johnson draft value chart, oh, or is no. that still is that still currency <laughs> oh, no. in the NFL? No, it, it, it's a I would say a baseline. I think what has happened with that chart, teams have kind of updated into their own version. Which, at times when you're doing a trade, the values could be a little bit different. So maybe they've adjusted it accordingly from said number of years. So we might not be looking at the same chart. So there could be a market chart, and then there could be an analytics chart. So you try to have to match up the two because they might be, you know, you might be talking to the team about the trade, but actually not viewing it through the same lens. You're talking a, a different language, but. That chart certainly has relevance and has had relevance for a long time. I mean, it's probably one of the, the greatest things that Jimmy has done. So do you start hitting the pro day circuit now? You got all this stuff done. I know it's not all done, but you get stuff done. Do you, can you get it now, get out on the pro day circuit? I know you traveled to games and saw games and such, but how much does it help you to get out on the pro day circuit and kind of get hands-on, if you will, with some of the prospects and players, especially the underclassmen? Yeah, I was actually supposed to go somewhere yesterday, but that kind of got derailed <laughs> a little bit. So a little bit. I would expect this <laughs> week that our staff has been on. The coaching staff was out last week. Lovey was at Georgia. Lovey was at Michigan. Yeah. We had some of our position coaches that were out throughout the country as well. Our scouting staff is kind of there. at Whatever pro day takes place Monday through Friday, they're there. So we're getting a lot of information. So it's a good opportunity. And it's it's pro day isn't about one particular player. Right. If a player with Texas A&M has said number of prospects, you want to maybe be able to look at all the prospects, not a particular one. Or there's a player that works out that comes out from somewhere else. So, oh, he's an interesting prospect. Maybe didn't know too much about him. Let's go back and take a look at that. So I would say this week that will take place, the following week of the league meetings down in Florida. And then when we come back from the league meetings that week of the 4th, you'll probably have an opportunity to bring some draft prospects into our building as part of the 30-man visits, which we actually were able to start those uh, before free agency. We did a few visits Monday, Tuesday of this previous week. So everything kind of works concurrently, so we're kind of juggling a lot of different things, but that's the beauty of this time of year, and there's a lot of fun uh, that's associated with that. Nick, after the day's news on Friday, Davis Mills tweeted, let's work, or something of that equivalent. Yeah. With and an emoji. I'm not yeah, a good sweeter. Yeah, I, yeah, you're probably not <laughs> noticing those things. But the fan base got fired up seeing that and everything. Tell us what kind of offseason you're expecting from Davis coming off the conclusion of the 21 campaign and as he gets ready for a 22 and whatever comes ahead. The offseason is about improvement. Can you improve your skill set as a position? Can you improve your overall understanding of what we're doing offensively? Can you improve your fundamentals? As we kind of transition to some new things offensively, there'll be a learning curve associated with that, maybe more so for some other players relative to Davis, who has some experience with some of the vernacular and some of the things that we're going to do, you know, with Pep's offense. So the offseason is really for every player is about improvement. This is a great window, a great opportunity for you to improve, to get stronger, to work on your strength. Maybe you got to work on your lower body strength. Maybe you have to work on your flexibility. Maybe you have to work on your endurance. This is your opportunity to do that, and we're a newer team, not a new team, but with a new head coach and a new staff, so there's a certain newness element, so there's an opportunity for everybody to either A, build on what they did last year and continue to make strides, or B, it's their first opportunity to be in our building, and you want to try to do things to make a positive impression. We talked a lot about a process in which players aren't even in the building yet to draft. We talked about a trade, a player not even in the building. Let's talk about guys that you brought back to the building. 
Christian Kirksey, Malik Collins, Desmond King, just to name a few. Those three guys. Yeah, throw Britt in there too. Yeah, yeah those, those, those just those guys, guys coming in. What what does it mean to bring those guys back, Nick? And how valuable was it to see them for the full season to kind of have that assessment period to be able to bring them back? It's huge. I mean, experience in our system, specifically defensively, all three of those players sort of fit what we're trying to do defensively. I'd say Kirko and, and JB were probably two of the better players on our team last season, so they're very well respected. They command a lot of respect, not so much because of the words, but because of their actions, because of how they work, because of how they play, because of how they practice. I mean, Kirko went out there in a club yeah. and played when realistically he shouldn't have even been on the field, but that just kind of speaks to his toughness and who he is as a person, and really – that's a microcosm of what you want your your program to embody. So to have those players back in the building, to, to build on some of the things they did last year is certainly huge, not only for them, but for the rest of the team as well. Well, on defense, and we saw some good things from the defense last year, top third of the league and takeaways among them. Uh, you added, we saw the reports throughout the week that you were adding players at every position group on the defense to strengthen that as well. Oh, I didn't realize that. I mean, it's kind of a process of osmosis. So it's not necessarily you're trying to say we're trying to fill every level. Yeah. You're just kind of mm -hmm. looking at the players that are available and there's an opportunity to add a player that makes sense. So it doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. So mm -hmm. it just guarantees them an opportunity. But they're players that we think fit what we're trying to do and that we think they have a certain level of skill that, you know, it takes to, to be successful in our system. Nick, one of the things that I've – recognize as I've been down here on the service level, I've seen more players in the building working out than I think I've ever seen here. And I think you said the number in your press conference, like 25 to 30. It, it might be more than that. It feels like guys are here constantly. And I don't think I've ever seen that before. How valuable is that not only to them, but also to the team that they're having that opportunity to work out together and do things together that, that's pretty cool. I've never seen that before happen yeah. here. Every element of the team building uh, process is important. And really, what I think it really speaks more than anything is, is to the sports performance staff and Mike Eubanks and his staff and the resources that we have available for the players. This is a good example of when you're in a, a facility, when you have everything you need in the facility, why go somewhere else off-site when you have the people that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis throughout the course of the year that are here to serve you and to help you and can enhance your overall, I would say, strength, your overall performance. So our players have taken advantage of that. The, a lot of players want to be in Houston. There's a lot of players that live in Houston, even that aren't, aren't yep. on the Houston Texans. So the fact that those players want to be here speaks to the staff. It speaks to those players as well in terms of their thought process and mindset about trying to get the jump and anticipation about what they're going to do here when the offseason program officially starts April 11th. And you get to gather a little bit earlier as a team because you have a new head coach, but it's a head coach that's been here. So that's an extra advantage, really. Sure. Any opportunity you have to kind of get started and work with your players, you know, you want to be smart about it and try to use it to your advantage. So I think the, the continuity will, will certainly help in that respect. So the more players we have here, the better for everybody, not just individually, but collectively as a team. And it's just about making incremental strides, incremental progress, Nothing's going to happen in the offseason in terms of games played, but we can kind of build and develop the fabric of our team. And then once we add the younger players that we're going to draft, bring them in the building in May, and then let's see if we can actually put a team in place and then get them ready to go for training camp. You mentioned the owners' meetings, and that got me thinking, and I don't really want to cause a fight, but I have to get your opinion on this because I know how he feels about it. It gets brought up every year. We saw it in the playoffs. What do you do with overtime? What would you do with overtime? 
And did you see that proposal by the I, Titans? I, I, I haven't think? studied and read okay. it, so I don't want to comment on it. So, boy, it's like the twenty-five thousand dollar question. Like, what's the right the thing to do in overtime? And boy, I mean, I think the league is always looking for maybe creative ways to try to equal the playing field, whatever that entails. But do you necessarily penalize a team? Again, I don't know what's been proposed or yeah, what right. some of those proposals look like. So. I think, look, everybody, when they get to overtime, feels like they should have an opportunity to touch the ball in some way, shape, or form, whether or not that is the right thing or the wrong thing. So the competition committee will vote on it, and the teams will vote on it, and whatever the rule is, they'll implement it, and then we'll have to adjust accordingly ourselves. Nick, one more for you. Just general message to the fans here as we come out of this mini era we're in and and get ready for the rest of the offseason and the 2022 campaign. Yeah, I I think – we should all be excited about the opportunity in front of us. It's kind of a, a, a situation where we can kind of reset a little bit. I think everybody has clarity, and we appreciate their support. We love their support. I know Lovey, you know, talked about the importance of the fans in our in our building. I think even JG said something about it the other day. He was at the rodeo and just about the environment. So mm-hmm. our goal is to get as many fans in there in, in, uh, in the fall. Um, and we have to do our part and try to give them something to look forward to. So we're excited about the opportunity in front of us. We're trying to move the organization forward, and we need their help and we need their support, and um, we're going to do everything in our power to try to uh, put something together that they're proud of. All right, thanks a lot, Nick. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.